everybody. That was weird, everybody. Everybody. Hello, everybody. All of you. All of you out there in internet land. Welcome to the Media Boat Podcast. Today is February the 24th, 2021. The Media Boat Podcast, in case you don't know, is a podcast about film, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. We have breaking news. We have thoughts about new releases. We have impending new releases that you should know about all of those things and more every week here on the media boat podcast my name is matt his name is mike i'm mike he's matt you found us media boat podcast every week new episodes including this week including this week we do have news and thoughts to talk about as we always allude to at the end of each episode not as much going on this week. It should be a slightly shorter show than the oh, last couple of weeks. Oh. Thank God, because we've had a busy, busy February. February seems like the longest month, which is ironically the shortest month. Um, and yet we're still not out of it. But this is also the last episode of February. I think we're at 270. That is true. Uh, 270 sounds right. Uh, so yeah, next week we'll be in March, uh, aka my birthday month. So hey, good times ahead. But in the meantime... Let's get this podcast on the road, shall we? And we always start the podcast with movies. Real quick, quarantine box office update. The Crudes is still at number one somehow. I guess families are the only people seeing movies. That's a 50 million domestic, 1.7 million this week. Little Things, still your number two movie, 1.2 million, 11 million domestic, not including HBO Max revenue, of course. And number three, Judas and the Black Messiah, which we can't talk about last week, coming in at 0.9 million, just short of 1 mil, 3 million domestic. Also, it's episode 268. 268, you're so short. 270 is going to be your birthday. My birthday week, yeah, will be 270, the day right before. Yeah. Exciting. Man, if only like we planned this ahead of time. Well, if only. <laughs> so, yeah, exciting, unlike the box office, which is, office, which is not exciting at all. No, it's not. So let's move on. Why don't we right into movie news? And our first story, well, actually, we have a double shot of comic book news for you this week. Yeah, we got both DC and Marvel in the news this week. We do. We'll start with DC here. They've made some announcements this week about some casting. First up, Angel Manuel Soto from the Charm City Kings is set to direct Blue Beetle for the DC Universe. Real quick, can you give me a, a, a capsule answer of who Blue Beetle is? I'm not familiar with a lot of DC superheroes. Blue Beetle is a superhero who gets beetle-like space alien powers mm-hmm. from, unironically, a Blue Beetle. Oh, okay. So he's like Spider-Man, but if Spider-Man was the Tick? Uh, like combined <laughs> uh, Iron Man and the Tick then. Oh, okay. So he's really like he's got a hard exoskeleton. Yes, but it's natural as opposed to built and like increased strength and durability. Yes. Okay, all right, Blue Beetle. Uh, this will be DC and Warner Brothers' first superhero movie starring a Latino character in the leading role. The screenplay is from Mexican-born writer Gareth Donald Aloser, 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 probably, uh, who wrote, I guess, uh, uh, Scarface Miss and Miss Bella. Which Scarface? As Not the, the original. Scarface remake. Yeah, the remake came out that everybody forgot. And yes, Miss Bella. Miss Bella, and we'll focus on the third incarnation of the Blue Beetle from the comics. The film is eyeing a fall production start, although no cast has yet been named. Speaking of casting, though, Emmy nominee Sasha Cali, Sasha Cali, Cali, 
has it's, it's been technically Kaye. Kaye, sure. Yeah. <laughs> has been cast in the role of Supergirl for the upcoming Flash film. The Colombian actress is the first Latina Supergirl ever in DC and was chosen from more than 425 actresses who auditioned for the role. So exciting uh, movement in the DC field for Latinx uh, people. So there you go. Very cool. Yep. Um, here's hoping that read about favorite David Castaneda cast <laughs> for Blue Beetle. Um, not just because we went to school with him and know him, but he's yeah. good in the uh, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, yeah, it could be cool. We could see that. Next up, on the Marvel side, we have an update for the next Spider-Man film. The new movie has officially been given the title Spider-Man No Way Home. Thank God we don't have to call it Spider-Man 3 anymore. This follows the recent fake titles that the actors themselves have revealed via social media. Some of these um, include Spider-Man Phone Home, Spider-Man Home Slice, and Spider-Man Home Record, which is my favorite. You know, just imagine a very different kind of movie. <laughs> uh, that's um, Fifty Shades right there. Right, yeah, Spider-Man Home Record. Marvel has also set the date for the new film um, as December 17th, 2021, just in time for this Christmas. So fast tracking it. Um, Sony Pictures has said that John Watts uh, will be the director and it will be available only in movie theaters. No streaming deal. Sony has been brokered by Sony, at least as of this date. I think that when we get closer to December, that might change. Right. And they've already been filming this, so they're kind of been wrapping up post-production now. I can't imagine you, yeah, but even if they do do a streaming deal, though, I can't imagine they make a deal with Disney. Where do you think this would show no, up? No, this, so, this is a Sony property, though. Right, but of course, That's Marvel Studios, owned by Disney, is producing it. So I, I'm just saying that before people get their hopes up and think that they're going to broker some deal for streaming on Disney Plus come December, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so, but then again, by December... Most people in the U.S. should be vaccinated. And then again, most people should. around the world should be vaccinated as well. That's a lot of shouldn'ts. <laughs> also <laughs> a lot of 10 months until that happens. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of, and also a lot of um, people who are going to be less ecstatic even once they're vaccinated to go to a movie theater. So there's a lot of questions, I think, about whether or not that will happen. Yeah, but this does give at least people like me Oh, <laughs> question mark sure, sure. to look forward so. to going to a theater come Christmas well I guess we'll find out when we get a little closer I'd say we probably hear more about this in the summer I mean we're going to get trailers in the summer um, yeah. I think Black Widow still has to come out before this yes and no, and that also is still a theaters only joint according to Sony or according to Disney as of this recording uh, again, though, uh, I, think I think that is going to be the next also thing to has to come out before that as well. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about Eternals. Well, we're going to talk about that in a bit here. Well, we will, but that's on the other side. Because, no, it's not. It's oh, not. it is? We're not done with this? Oh, no, no, we're, we're in thoughts. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, wait, what are you talking about? There's no more news. We're moving on. Yes. But the reason we're going to talk about Eternals is because of their director. Oh, right. Sorry, I forgot because it's so strange. <laughs> Except it's not Doctor Strange, no. No, no, no. Okay, let's 
let's cut to it then. Let's move on to movie thoughts. Which one do you want to talk about first? The what we're uh, dancing around here. The family fun or the potential um, award darling? Let's go to the award darling. Okay, so, so as I just alluded, yes, director Chloe Zhou, um, mm-hmm. who will be directing the upcoming Marvel's Eternals, wasn't picked from nowhere to direct this <laughs> film. No, no, she has directed Nomadland. The yes, should we say one of the potential. Oscar nominee for Best Picture this year. So it's interesting that you say that because I feel like last week we had a very brief conversation about what we thought was going to kind of lead the charge after our conversation about Judas, Judas and the and Black, Black Messiah. Messiah. We were both were like, you know what? It's it's a strong contender, but we I, I at least said, I don't think it's going to take the crown. And then I said, well, what else is there? And you mentioned Netflix's Mank as what you think was had some buzz. Right, because it's old Hollywood and Hollywood loves old Hollywood. So even as of last week, Nomadland was not on my radar. I wasn't thinking about it as like a front runner. And then I watched it. <laughs> now I'm convinced. Uh, and yes, this seems to be borne out by the critical reception overall. I mean, it seems like this is an easy, this is an easy contender. I don't know if it's everybody's pick, but it might be mine now. This was 2020 Sundance Award winner, Toronto International Film Festival mm-hmm. Award winner. Yeah. So it's got some backing to it going into this. And surprise, we should mention, it's on Hulu right now. Right. And that's the thing. And that's its accessibility is why I was able to watch it. Um, Hulu making stellar grabs. I think of all the streaming services right now making these deals, I think Hulu is really on top of it. I mean... They had our favorite movie of last year, Palm Springs, and now this. Um, so what what did you think about this thing? Because I guess the real little quick explanation for people who don't know, this is a, I guess you could call it a, a fiction slash documentary hybrid of sorts. It's based off a book. No it's also based on a book. Um, so it's a fictional take on a real life adventure. Yeah. Um, in present day Americana. Yeah. Essentially, Francis McDormand is um, living a nomad life, which in a modern context, context and the context of the film is she has chosen to drive around in her van, taking jobs wherever she goes and kind of meeting and camping with people that are living the same kind of lifestyle. And so the movie travels with her as she goes through this, interacting with the other people who like tell them, tell her about their life stories, kind of trying to find a like footing in a, in a basically in an environment and an economic reality in 2011 post the Great Recession that is making it hard for them to find roots and keep them. And it kind of goes through why she's, you know, made the decisions she has you know, to, in, in kind of, in the wake of losing a job and a husband, uh, and yeah. then, yeah, and then in a town, yeah, and a place to live, uh, and kind of why other people have, have made these decisions as well, and it's, um, yeah, it's told semi-fictionally, but with people who in real life were cast because they are real-life nomads. Right, I believe Frances McDormand is the only I don't want to say actor, but 
she not living. and the um and the uh the the main guy um are actors uh, right the rest yes. were basically cast from interviews uh with nomads so what did you think <laughs> throwing the ball back right away uh so i went into this thing completely blind i didn't know anything about this movie before i started watching it mm-hmm. um and I thought it was incredible. I really liked this movie. It was just, I was like attached to it from moment one. The cinematography is beautiful. I thought just the locations that they go to were just so many great shots and so many beautiful vistas. The inter- like the style of it, where it's a, that mix between uh, documentary and, and, and fiction makes you really just like it I don't know it just absorbs you where I was just like just fascinated with everything happening and I never really gave it a thought about like whether or not this was you know staged or not because the movie puts you so much in the reality of the situation you're not thinking about the staging um I thought Frances McDormand does an excellent job here uh, I think she's definitely um a favorite I think for an acting award here um just the the subtlety in which that she plays this character is really impressive. It's not like what you might think going into this, where it's like, oh, this is going to be like the one big personality among, you know, people who are maybe like a fish out of water kind of scenario. This is not that at all. She found this life because she is just a amiable, friendly person with some baggage. And the way that she interacts with everybody in this movie is just, is just very believable and realistic. And never comes across as, oh, this person is acting. It's just just impressive work. Um, the people, all, the rest of the cast and the kind of stories that are kind of woven in, in and out, sure, it doesn't have necessarily that linear of a plot, but that's not the point. I think the plot, the story comes from the stories that are told by the characters, and they're all really fascinating. Everybody you meet in this movie has their own, has their own, fascinating life and yeah and i think that thematically it works too because you get so many different like because these stories basically all present different elements of why like i mentioned earlier why everybody has made the decisions they would and it tackles everything it runs the gamut from loss to grief to to like economic reality of like losing jobs of finding jobs of of like an American dream betrayed in a lot of ways where this dream that people thought that they would have isn't possible. And so they have to come up with plan B. It, you know, it touches on like the realities of, of like a terrible medical diagno- diagnosis and basically told that you only have so much time to live and what you do with that information. And with family relationships with Francis McDormand's character and others where you're seeing this very like, these hard questions basically about like whether or not you're expected to stick around or not uh, when family life gets hard. And it just does all, it tackles all of these subjects with subtlety and with, with just finesse where it never feels overbearing and it never feels like it preachy. It just feels like you're, you know, at that campfire around with other people and you're just listening to everybody talk. That's just the vibe of this thing. And yeah, I, yeah, I was really, I was really just absorbed into it the whole time. 
Yeah, the really impressed with the cinematography. It reminded me a lot of Wild and Moonlight, which mm-hmm. one best mm-hmm. one best picture. Yeah, I think it's probably the best shot movie I've seen since Moonlight. But yeah, it does give it a real sense of realism and groundedness, even not just with the interviews with the people you're talking about, but with just Francis McDormand interacting, which mm-hmm. I point back to three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> If you want yes. to see Frances McDormick acting her ass off, mm-hmm. which she won the award for. Uh, but yeah, this is a really well shot movie. This is not your typical linear movie. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting to follow some type of overarching plot or anything or goals to reach, it's not really that. But then again, that's not really the nomad lifestyle that you're following mm-hmm. either, which mm-hmm. is you're on a set path. You're trying to achieve the American dream, but if all that's taken away from you, like he said, you're free to explore life as you can. And that's kind of what this film does. Mm-hmm. It ex- freely explores not only Frances McDormand's life, but the life of the people that she meets on this nomadic journey. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think that you're along for the ride in a lot of ways with this film. It's not necessarily something that you're going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, we're at the climax. What's going to happen? Though there's a little bit of that. One of the things that they've done here is that they've like put in just enough plot details like throughout the romantic subplot. Yeah, yeah. That you that keeps you like being like, oh, reminds you that this is a movie. This is a fictional mm-hmm. movie. And I think maybe to a certain extent. And there's one. Generally, the reviews have been pretty positive, but afterwards, I I took a look at what other people were saying. There's one take this dude at the New Yorker who didn't like it. And he jumps around all sorts of places. Uh, why? But one of the things he does point out that is that I do see kind of in retrospect is because it's making this choice about being both documentary style and telling this fictional story, um, sometimes it does you like have to have a scene or two that reminds you, oh, that's right, this is a movie. And I think for some people that could take you out of it, potentially. Like that scene really early on where um, she runs into um, a family that she recognizes, like some local friends. When you compare that scene to the rest of the movie, it is kind of like, oh, okay, they needed that there to set some stuff up. I mean, yes. Uh, That scene in particular, because in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. is here's your expo dump. Which I'm more of a fan of show, don't tell. Right. But you know what? With the rest of the movie being what it is, I think they earn it because, and that's my take, like, is because you need some of that to have a structure at all. If you don't have any structure, then I think you're going to lose some people. Right. But that scene also carries twofold. Not only does it give you exposition about Mm -hmm. her past life. It also, at the very end of the scene, shows that there are people still in the town that she's in Yes. that are still looking out for her, that she doesn't have to go on this journey, but she wants to. It's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the want in your hero's <laughs> journey. It is, yeah, yeah. You put a song there, and then we're all good. No. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, no no like, want song. But speaking of no. want song, <laughs> I love the music in this thing. It, yes, the soundtrack. I rarely notice score. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to admit even though I'm a music person, generally scores often completely go, you know, right past me in movies. They're not the thing that I'm looking for. I know 
you and others are different where you guys notice quicker, but this one got me. And I was like, if I noticed it, it must be doing something good. Like, you might notice it more because there's not a whole lot of dialogue and there's a lot too. more ambient, I'll call it B-roll because there's not yeah. an A in it. I don't, yeah, I almost feel bad calling it B-roll though because it's just so pretty. Like, right. Um, yeah, but I think technically, the technical term, it is B-roll because right. there's no A dialogue a in, in it. Uh, yeah, I think that the, yeah, it peaks at the end, the, like near the end where you're just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's so much to be said about this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you can just roll up into Hulu and watch this is like just an instant recommend for me. I want everybody to see this thing. Um, it's just incredible and very relevant for now, even though it takes place a decade ago. It's very interesting thinking about, also, yeah, speaking of like, like, yeah, on that subject, not only is it relevant now because of what it's like, this commentary it has to say on the economic situation that brought a lot of people into this, into this life, but also in a time where we've been quarantined for so long, it's nice to have a movie where you get to see the outdoors for a while. Is the, I literally had that thought at some point. It's like, oh, that's right. It's really cool to just be outside with people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, seeing so much footage of that happening and being able to track, like seeing somebody travel, you know, to all these places, even if it's not the best case of circumstances, is still a welcome sight right now. And I think a lot of people will be like, oh, this, I needed some of this. Yeah, it's, like you said, like we said, it's shot beautifully. Mm -hmm. And it does explore a lot of that kind of Western style of landscape. A lot mm -hmm. of desert scenes. A lot of desert scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, but it's balanced with a lot of like other types of nature that you don't necessarily see mm -hmm. in a lot of these films, and especially not lately in real life. Right. Um, um, I will say as much as we are praising this thing, <laughs> caution to those who okay. will go out and seek this on our advice may not be for you because yeah. it is not quite a typical narrative of a film that you might be expecting. Yeah, I think go in not, it's, it's tough because I want to say go in with no expectations because I think that that's probably the best way of seeing this thing. Yeah, but if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, you've, <laughs> you've heard, heard too much. Yes. a lot about it. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say um, whether your mileage will vary on this thing. I, yeah, there might be some people out here, you know, that are, that out there will that will watch this thing and maybe be bored by it. I don't want to know that person, but they probably exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's really strong, and yeah, easily, like I said at the top, money down. I think this is your best picture. Oof, I'm, I'm still pulling for Judas and the Black Messiah because I think the narrative mm -hmm. is better. But it's more traditional narrative. It's, yeah, and I don't know. I have my misgivings about it, um, even right. though I think it's very good. Uh, until we know what the Oscar nominations are, I think this maybe is a moot point. So maybe we'll get there and then make our decision. Well, there's 10 nomination slots. 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 I think of all years, this is, they definitely don't use all 10. <laughs> if they didn't use them before, they're definitely not going to use them for 2020. <laughs> like, what do we have? Like, we have... We have Mank, uh, 
Trial of the Chicago Seven, Judas and the Black Messiah, Nomadland, Hamilton. Now, Hamilton's not in. (laughs) No, doesn't count. Let let me sneak it in there. Spring Break. uh, Spring Break. (laughs) Okay, Palm Springs. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no way. There's no way. Like, no, not not happening. Palm Springs will get a screenplay nomination, maybe. (laughs) But I am not. I'm not expecting anything more. Hey, if it wins Golden Globe, which um, it could. Re- no, that that's this Sunday. Next week, yeah, this week. Yeah, this this Sunday, upcoming Sunday. Okay. Uh. Well. Okay. So yeah. Big big recommend for Nomadland. But what other movie did we watch this week? Uh, we watched the superhero movie. Sure. Disney Plus. Uh, Flora and Ulysses, based so on you, comic book of, I think the same name. Maybe it's just Ulysses. Yes, yes, of the same name. Um, yeah. Friend of the show, Christy, apparently was familiar with the book and uh, kind of knew what go, go what this was going in, um, and I did not. Uh, but yeah, it's it's um, it's a fun um, family movie about a squirrel who, through circumstances, uh, gains what could be called superpowers um, and how the family basically reacts to this. Um, I had a lot of fun with this thing. I think this is a good ass family movie. In terms of it being a family movie and Mm -hmm. like a superhero family movie, it hits all the Mm -hmm. notes and has the perfect recipe for a good family film. Yeah. It has the right amount of super superheroes. It has the right amount of family mixed into it. And has the right amount of slapstick comedy mm-hmm. all yes. thrown into it. It's a it's the trifecta rule of threes here. In a way, it feels kind of like throwback because when I was watching it, I kept thinking of movies from like two to three decades ago, not recent family fair. Like I'm thinking about like family stuff that Nickelodeon movies would have put out in the nineties, you know, that Disney would have put out in the nineties. Like clock stoppers. Some maybe better than that, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, that era, sure. Disney's um, a blank check well, again, better than blank check, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, no, um, it's it's something, it's a kind of movie you don't see a whole lot of. From what I understand from people who saw it, I did not see it, is that Sonic the Hedgehog was kind of that kind of vibe as well, where it was like, oh, this is kind of a movie that they don't make anymore. And so, but I think this might be even better than that. Um, having not seen it. Uh, but yeah, I think that you're right. It like hits all the notes that you want it to. It's accessible for adults as well. Um, in fact, there's some scenes in here that I was like, actually kind of surprised that they kept in because there's a lot of stuff that we're like, a kid would potentially be bored, but makes the movie better for it by, act, by actually establishing like stuff with the parents relationship, mm-hmm. like stuff with kind of the dynamic between their friends, like more deeper stuff than like more, dramatic moments than you might expect from something that is you know talking to this level uh and it strengthens the the actual like themes that are happening in the movie i think right and it kind of crosses those things very throughout uh the film Mm -hmm. main thing being family how to keep your family together working together for a family trusting each other you know typical family stuff that you would kind of expect from a disney film Mm-hmm, yeah, done so in a very pleasantly surprisingly tame yeah. way. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the script, uh, which is really, really good. So Brad Copeland wrote the screenplay. Mm -hmm. He has credits on Arrested Development for a while. Uh, so he has TV writing creds. Also, more recently, he wrote, uh, co-wrote, I believe, um, Spies in Disguise, the Will Smith turns into a pigeon movie. You mean the last Blue Sky Studios film? Oh, huh. Yeah, that's true, huh? Um, so yeah, he's got his chops, and I think the script is really good. I think it's like, it talks, it does a good job of talking to those multiple levels of having enough kids stuff to keep the kids entertained, enough adult stuff to have the adults actually follow what's happening. Also, for a movie that's about a superhero squirrel, there's not a whole lot of superhero squirrel. And that might sound like a bad thing, but I think by the time you get into the, get to the end of the movie, I thought it was like, actually, it's probably good. Because if you put too much CG squirrel action, it becomes a different kind of movie. Right. But then again, the squirrel is entirely CG in this film and yeah. might be a bit annoying. It could be distracting, for sure. If you're expecting like... The, mo the best CG squirrel you've ever seen. This is not It's that. no rocket raccoon. No, it's not. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is that compared, like, especially after talking about Nomad, Nomad Land, it was maybe a little distracting to see how, like, I don't know, just how uninspiredly shot this film is. It's just kind of boring looking. Uh, it's a by-the-numbers kind yeah, of film. It's, it's what you expect. Film. For you also for something that Taco like Bell ordering a hamburger. I mean, that's true. I do go to Tel Taco sometimes and order the hamburger. It's pretty good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's why I said Taco Bell and not Tel Taco. <laughs> there. Uh, but, but, but yeah, like I kept thinking like, are you sure this came out in 2021? Like the whole time I was watching because it looks older for some reason. And that might be a choice. I don't know. Um, it definitely felt like something that would have been on a shelf for a while, but no, apparently not. It is, it is produced last year so there you go um but yeah um but i think that yeah it's, it's a fun time there's i think it's really good for kids right now because of the comic book illusions throughout i think a lot of kids are kind of in that marvel zone and we'll see flora the lead the lead character as like a very relatable kid um, oh marvel zone yeah marvel zone <laughs> no, I, I had a flashback to something else earlier in the week weird uh, so yeah, uh, it's good. I think if you have uh, like kids around like kind of the, the eight to 10, maybe eight to 13 range, I think this is perfectly in their ballpark. Mm -hmm. It's a good family movie night movie. And because it's on Disney Plus, it's really easy to get. Definitely um, a family night movie. Get your family around yeah. together and watch it. Oh yeah, no, it's quality, quality work. But mm -hmm. one last thing I'll say about it that that friend of the show, Christy pointed out when we were watching is that we're getting to the point now where the parents of the children are one closer to us in age and two people that we thought like of as young actors. <laughs> yes. Like the fact that the parents are Allison Hannigan and Ben Schwartz in this thing just blew both of our collective minds. Right. And Danny Booty and uh, right. Garfunkel or Oates. I feel <laughs> we made the same joke. We're like, is that Garfunkel or Oates? Uh, Kate Micucci. Yes. Uh, and yeah, no, everybody is, is, is great, but it's just, we had that moment and I, I told her, you know, it's only going to get worse. Like they're going to be younger than us soon. I mean, they already are. <laughs> Tom Holland is only 25. Yeah. He can only well, play coming of age for so long. Hey, but Tom Holland has to get to play a father is what I'm saying, but that'll happen within the next few years, I'm sure. But it's wild thinking about it. Anyway. It's the Jenna Maroney moment. 
It is, yes. It's like we play moms now, huh? Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I think this is a recommend for me too. Yep. Not you know to the level of Nomadland, but definitely a fun movie to watch for if you're looking for a fun movie night. Yes, and uh, real briefly because I mentioned and we're talking about this being a Marvel film. I think uh-huh. it's Marvel, Marvel S. There's some rumors possibly going around. Okay. That characters from Big Hero 6 will be joining the MCU. I also heard this. Which sent Twitter to a frenzy because they didn't realize Big Hero 6 was a Marvel uh, property. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What was the other one that got people confused? Uh, Something else with the MCU uh, with, I think it was, I think it might have been Spider-Man MCU related. Mm, I don't know. Or maybe it was WandaVision related and how... Oh, could be. <laughs> could be. Uh, it was something else that they didn't realize that was also Marvel or all part of Disney. And I was like, yeah, we kind of knew that for a while now. <laughs> We're getting to the point now where they're going to unleash all sorts of strange, like, corners of the Marvel universe into the, the universe. And it's going to be weird. Oh, no, that's what it was. It was if... Big Hero 6 comes into the Marvel Universe. That means there's a world where Big Hero 6 meets Sora from Kingdom Hearts 3, who meets mm-hmm. Cloud from Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so all Final Fantasy characters are potentially available in the MCU. <laughs> it's a stretch, but okay. Yeah, no, if you start saying that because Big Hero 6 is is MCU canon, it, that means that Kingdom Hearts is MCU canon. And then we're all, all video games. We're off. All, we're off the rails at that point. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, when the cloud then goes into Super Smash Brothers, and then you have all Nintendo characters in MCU. Yeah, we can't do this. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on, shall we? Into television, and we always start television with the sports corner. Real quick, only two sports stories. Yeah, just real quick. Uh, too, I mean, this is a big break from uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in the not the doldrums of sports, but slow sports slowed down a little bit mm-hmm. um, uh, because unless you're a basketball or a hockey fan, not a whole lot going on. First up is a basketball story. NBA All Star teams have been decided. All right, you're going to make me say some basketball names. Yes, I will. And guess who the uh, <laughs> captain is out of all these? Uh. Is it media boat favorite Giannis Atetokounmpo? No, there's two teams. So oh. there's two captains. <laughs> also, no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so go ahead. Who's on the first All Star team? First up, Luka Doncic. Doncic. Yes, Doncic. Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. 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 <laughs> Leonard. Thank you for adding the K. Yes. On the first team. And then Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, the aforementioned Giannis. You're not going to try it again? <laughs> no. And Joel, Joel Embiid. Yep. Uh, two captains. Who are they? Again, I got it wrong the first time. Uh, LeBron James? Yes. And then Kevin Durant? Correct. Cool. 
This will be LeBron James's 17th All-Star game. That's a lot of All-Star games. Turns uh, out. Yeah, I mean, we're in 2021, <laughs> so. Yeah, math checks out. Is that what you're saying? The math checks out. <laughs> the game will take place on March 7th, so mark your calendars yep. for that. Not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. Then our next sports story is, uh, well, sadder and uh, less involved in the actual sport. Uh, after kind of on the heels of that documentary series about him, Tiger Woods, back in everybody's collective imagination. But uh, apparently he was in his own imagination as he was injured in a car crash. Uh, don't worry, it was just him. Um, single vehicle. Um, but yeah, uh, he's not doing too hot right now, but I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he will recover. He had emergency surgery following that happening. Think broke one or both of his legs, Oof. which you kind of need to play golf. So you do. He's you out need those for at least six mm-hmm. months, possibly a year. It'll be a little bit. Might be some time. Yeah. Um, so not his yeah. first car crash in the media, obviously. No. <laughs> no. Thanks. But. Probably uh, more know. severe. Yeah, Being sounds like it. Rushed to emergency surgery. Sounds like it. So uh, yeah, um, he will likely recover very quickly and yep. return to golf soon. All right. And Anything else in sports before we move on? Lastly, just because I, this is my point to shout it out. Okay. The Los Angeles Kings. <laughs> what about them? They're on a five-game win streak. And yeah, they have actually been winning. Third, uh, Third place. Yeah, we, watched, third we watched in, one uh, of the them. West. We watched one of them. We watched one of the Coyotes games last week. Yes. And was there was like, also yeah. an outdoor uh, game that was played this uh, this past weekend Ooh. in Lake Tahoe, which be had a nice. nine or six hour, nine hour delay, I think. Hmm. Eight hour delay in play wow. because the ice started to melt. Oh no, that's not that's not ideal when you're no, playing but hockey. At on the it. same time, people in Texas were standing outside taking TikTok saying, What do you mean you can't play outside in Texas? <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> yeah, the winter storm is a whole nother whole nother thing. But yeah, um well yeah, good. Congratulations to the Kings for having some wins finally. <laughs> yep, they finally turned it around. Um <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. Good good job, Kings. Uh, but yeah, right. hockey's still continuing. Um, oh yeah. Um, real quickly for the NBA, in case you're checking your uh, game calendars, the last game currently scheduled is for that March seventh. Oh, okay. Do you know why? No. Because they only announced the first half of the season. Oh right. The second half is yet to be announced. Uh, okay. They'll be coming up real quickly what they're going to do they did this in case the pandemic worsened and they need to go back into a bubble um yes we do note that several teams have had to miss or postpone games Mm -hmm. because of covid related players and instances but currently the scuttlebutt is that there's no calls for a bubble quite yet so The schedule should just be released and then continue to play till the end of the season. So yeah, keep tabs on that to see what your favorite team is going to do in the second half of the season. Yeah. All right, now we're done. With All sports. right, now we can move on out of sports and into television. 
news. First story here takes us to Peacock, um, NBC's streaming service, and they've been making a couple announcements. We got First, two new shows. Yeah, a couple new shows to watch. First up, fans of Craig Robinson will be happy to know he has a new show that has been given 10 episode series order for Peacock. The now titled comedy series, previously known as, or now untitled, previously known as Killing It, hails from Dan Gore and Luke, I'm guessing, not like, Del Tradici, yes. and will center on one man's quest to achieve the American dream while hunting really big snakes. Sounds like a premise that would have been really hot in like 2001. <laughs> but sure, I guess sell it now. Um, meanwhile, the 1980s classic video game Frogger, yes, you heard me right, will be getting a live action competition treatment. The hour-long show will feature 12 obstacle courses that are individually physically demanding challenges based on the original video game, Frogger, as well as other nostalgic favorite games. However, the show is not solely physical, as contestants will also have their strategy and problem-solving smarts tested within the challenges. Frogger has been given a 13-episode order, and applications are available at froggercasting.com. The show is produced by Eureka Productions, which also makes Holy Moly, Name That Tune, Dating Around, and Crikey, It's the Irwins. One of those things is not like the others. No, but hey, if you're doing one kind of reality show, why not branch out to others? Um, so, so my understanding... No, God, no. Oh. My understanding about the Frogger thing is that there's uh, going. it's going to be like, hey, what if Frogger but real? Where it's going to be a lot of like... It's Wipeout-esque, but wipe also out -esque. not physical cars. Don't get hit by the phone car coming towards you kind of thing. Yes. Um, and like jump on logs as you cross this yeah. gap. So here's my question. Did everybody forget collectively forget Crossy Road? <laughs> Crossy Road was the mobile modernization of Frogger that came out like, what, four years ago now? Yeah. I remember that being a big hit. Everybody was way into Crossy Road. So it was right after Temple Run. Yeah, so I feel like this was a this is a um, another name that tune versus Beat Shazam situation where <laughs> some people in a boardroom had to like determine whether Frogger or Crossy Road had more cultural cachet in 2021. And I guess they went the Frogger route. Well, guess who the people in the boardroom are? Old? <laughs> People who grew up in the 80s and remember Frogger and don't play yes. games on their phone. So yeah, I don't know. This this uh, you know for the, all those people who have uh, been missing Wipeout, I guess this is a good replacement for that. And also putting it on a streaming service like Peacock is probably the right move, as opposed to making this a network show. You know, it could get the cross, but it, it does mean that uh, Wipeout has some competition. Sort Basically, of, yeah. Ninja Warrior and Wipeout right. just smash them together. Yeah, why not? How's this uh, not done already? Yeah, so yeah, I oh, guess... Oh, wait, it has been several <laughs> times over. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I guess there's an audience for it, but uh, eh. just seems weird to me that they would dredge up Frogger, which seems like an ancient, ancient, ancient franchise at this point. I mean, it hasn't gotten a new skin in ages. Not that I know of. I mean, I think there was the most recent Frogger game I can think of was there was an Apple Arcade Frogger game mm -hmm. in late 2019 when that service launched. Yep. Or 2018? Uh, Jesus. Yeah, that's not right. Also, yeah. and then uh, real briefly, new Dan Gore show yeah. coming. So, right. Might be 
favorite, but then again, good for could Craig be, Robinson uh, too. Good to see him getting a, a series Peacock. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could be good. Alrighty. Next in television news, we have didn't put the thing up. Um, we have a story about media boat favorite Donald Glover. We haven't Don talked Glover. about him in a while. Refused to call him that. Next okay. up, so next up for his career, the producer actor has exited his pact with FX for a multi-year deal with Amazon that is said to be over eight figures. The pact is believed to include a content channel of sorts that will spotlight Glover's work and other curated content on Amazon's Amazon Amazon's Prime Video Hub. I was like, Amazon Prime's Video Hub is what I wanted to say there. Mm -hmm. The news comes days after he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be creating and star, announced, I guess, they would be creating and starring in an updated feature of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which would be arriving on Amazon in 2022. Glover's move to Amazon will not, however, impact FX's Atlanta, with production to begin on March in March on seasons three and four, as both of those seasons will be filmed back to back the film the series last aired back in may 2018 so there's been a bit of a wait for more atlanta uh, but yeah Donald glover uh, i don't blame him for uh, making the making the move for some extra pay um yeah i think amazon also gets first look at all of his production stuff as well on this mm-hmm. um eight figure big deal deal yeah multi-year deal I have to feel like, considering he probably made that FX deal prior to the Disney purchase, yes, that it was probably not looking as lucrative anymore. Uh, he was probably looking at those numbers and being like, this is it. I could probably do better. Well, this is also like pre-Lion King numbers mm-hmm. as well. Right. When so, you, like when you said, like the series last aired in May of 2018. It's been a little got bit. that deal after the first season of Atlanta. So either yeah. the deal was up and he didn't want to renew it. Mm-hmm. Or just, I mean, it said he cut out early. So Amazon could have also been knocking on his door and being like, hey, you want out of that deal? Mm-hmm. We can we can cut you something better over here. It's smart. I mean, he's one of the most uh, lucrative young talents that we've got in the business makes sense that you'd want to lock him down for as much money as possible because people will follow him wherever he goes but I how much Mr. And Mrs. Is buying out the contract as well from yeah i probably FX i would disney. imagine i would imagine that that's probably on disney there mm-hmm. but yeah a new mr and mrs smith i'm not really sure how i feel about that <laughs> i mean it's, is that something people care about <laughs> no but it's just a reboot <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Or retooling, however you want to call it. I guess I'm just questioning on who asked for that, but sure, okay. No one asked for it. It's just a simple (laughs) concept of two spies living under the same house. Right. And yeah, I guess it's, and it's kind of the twist on it, right? Because with the casting, you have like Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character almost is guaranteed to be the comic one, like Mm -hmm. in this case, right? I mean, you don't cast her to be serious. So then you kind of have a reversal of gender roles there potentially, which could be interesting. Yes. Interesting, nonetheless. Um, we'll see. Alrighty. You have a little bit of reminders here. Yeah, they were um, the thoughts, but these are really reminders. Uh, Golden yeah. Globes, as I mentioned before, are on this Sunday. Sunday. Don't forget, we're not going to do any predictions on them. No, they're not important. Because there's a lot, <laughs> but this is the Hollywood Foreign Press Association right. giving out these yeah. awards. We'll say the same thing we say every year about the Golden Globes. No, they don't really matter. However, 
they are part of the award season and they do kind of allow us to have a little more of a lens into what Oscars, Oscar uh, winners might be. So it's just yet another opportunity for us to be like, okay, so who has, who won this, this, and this? And yeah, and Golden Globes count in that way, but really other than that, not a whole lot of actual cachet there. And for the last time, the G in EGOT does not stand for Golden Globes. It stands for the Grammys. Yeah, it would be EGOT. <laughs> and everybody, no one wants an EGOT. Yes. Um, the only film I'm really pulling for is for Hamilton to win Best Musical but Comedy. No, because I'm pulling for Palm Springs in that category. So. Right, for Best Musical. So I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm torn. <laughs> Those are my top two films i think they were your top two films of last year it's true um so yeah i don't know um i've got no real horses in that fight but it'll be interesting nonetheless to see who takes it yep oh and then uh hbo premiered the first episode of alan v pharaoh about woody allen um not gonna talk about it because the four-part documentary we'll talk about it at the end when it's all said and done uh four weeks from now yeah i'm not sure i guess three weeks now since the first episode already aired yeah, I'm not sure if I want to dive into that pool right now. I don't want to. Yeah. I, but I'm going to. Hmm, I'm not quite end. ready. I don't think my gut is ready for it, but uh, maybe. We'll see. Depends on how bored I am. All right. I mean, so, yeah, you watched Nomadland on a whim. Yeah. Not saying that you'll be bored as well for this. But. Yeah, no, no. We'll, we'll find out. Speaking of bored, let's see in the cancellations and renewals section of the show what networks got bored of the shows that they were airing all right what am i no longer watching you are no longer watching cbs's mom because after eight seasons believe it or not somehow eight years have passed cbs has put it in the can so uh yeah so note this isn't they're filming an eight season cancel it this is the end of the eighth season currently which is the first season without uh, Anna Ferris in it. Right, which is key. I think this is maybe the reason why this happens. Also, eight seasons. That's a lot of seasons. You're probably yeah. run your course at that point. Uh, but it is kind of odd and I think hilarious that the last episode will air the week before Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't just push it out another week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this really doesn't affect a whole lot of people. I think it was a a moderate hit for the network. I think it's okay, but it's I mean, not going to go down. Hit eight seasons. You don't yeah, get there by accident. That's true, but nobody is going to think of a mom in the same way as you know your your sitcom heavy hitters. I don't even think that people think of it in the same thought as Big Bang Theory. I think no, uh, this I think is overshadowed the King of Queens to mm-hmm. Big Bang Theory's Frasier. Right, I think you're right. It's was a Frasier safe... CBS? No, uh, Frasier was, was NBC. NBC. But I get what you're going for. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, long tenured, but eh, it was probably on its two way. Two and a half men, that's the one. Two and a half men. Of. Although two and a half men also, I think, was a bigger deal. But anyways. Well, two and a half men was the two and a half right. men of two and a half men. <laughs> sure, that is a sentence that you just said. <laughs> well, it depends on which... which, which which Ashton Kutcher pre or post are you talking about? Yeah, who knows, right? All right, moving on. CBS has also canceled a long-tenured drama in their lineup, NCIS New Orleans, uh, after seven seasons. So yeah, another NCIS uh, falls down. Um, so that just leaves 
proper NCIS, right? Still, but yeah. there are rumors of a Hawaii-based mm. NCIS. That's confusing when you already have a network airing Miami Vice, but sure. Right, and also <laughs> the network that aired um, Hawaii Five-0. Yeah. Also, pour one out for Scott Bakula, who is now looking for another job. <laughs> you'll find you'll you'll get there, Scott Bakula. I know you will. Next up, Netflix is renewing Fate the Wink Saga for an ex- inexplicable second season. Shudder is renewing Creepshow for a third season. Holy moly on ABC is getting two more seasons because it's cheap. That goes to three and four seasons. And BET is renewing The Oval, which I just found out existed this week. It's a apparently a um, Tyler Perry joint about a family in the Oval Office. Wait, so this is, I should tight label as Tyler Perry's The Oval? I believe it is actually stylized on the like promo image as Tyler Perry's The Oval. So okay. it might, yeah, for future reference. Uh, th- third season on BET for that one. All right. And no deaths. Uh, good yeah, happy week. This. Yeah. Um, no like major deaths that popped out to us. Uh, yeah, that we, through, that we that felt. We yeah, that we needed to talk about. So that means that we flip this over to you. Let's talk about music. All right, we'll start music with the Billboard, and we start Billboard with the Hot 100. And once again, the number one song is Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Not going nowhere. I mean, not really. Just talking about your truck. Just cruising. Talking about a girl. <laughs> the red sundress looking real her best. That's a different song. But it's the driver's license in the truck. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you have to That's have what a you're talking about, right? to drive a truck. I mean, you do. It's required by law. If you don't, they kind of frown upon that kind of thing. All right. What else? Uh, at number two, three, four plus three, five by Ariana Grande. <laughs> That's what that song is called. Yes. <laughs> Why? What else is it called? 34 plus 35. Equals 69. It does. It's true. Yes. But I like my way a bit better. <laughs> okay. Uh, at three, calling my phone by Lil J. Lil TJ. Lil at the TJ. <laughs> featuring Six Lack. <laughs> at four, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Yep. And at number five, Pixar's Up by Cardi B. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole time she just sings about um, Doug the dog. It's very strange. Very weird. Weird song. She, she's trying to get the grape soda pin. Grape, yeah. Grape soda pin. You know what? Aren't we all? We are all on our own journeys to yes, find the grape soda pin. Yeah, to find our own grape soda pin. And if you haven't <laughs> found it, keep looking. Keep looking. Because adventure is out there. Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> uh, as for your albums chart, your Billboard 200. Uh-huh. Uh, still, your number one. Still, I don't have to say still your number one album because because this is a big deal because this means it is the longest number one from a male artist since Drake's Views. No, thank you. I know. Can you believe it? Pass. Wait, I'm having to post Malone. He was not consecutive. Uh, he was number one a lot, but he wasn't consecutive six weeks. I think it is. I think this is right. week six. Yeah, because I think Taylor Swift came in for a week. That's why I said male. And Ariana Grande came in for a week. Yeah, 
It's key. The male is the male. is the, yeah. the record right, so because I think it, dangerous colon the double album still up there. Morgan Wallen, yeah, only number one album. People will never stop listening to him. At two after hours by the weekend, still surfing on that uh, Super Bowl bump. At three, the voice by Lil Durk. At four, shoot for the stars, aim for the moon by Pop Smoke. And rounding out your top five, Shiesty Season by Pooh Shiesty. Still fun to say. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep, this does mean that uh, the Foo Fires album got knocked out of the top five. I mean, not surprised. Not surprised there. Uh, if you did not like any of those albums or, you know, want to try something new. Yeah, always looking for something not new. not listen to that Morgan Wallen album again. God, no. We have or new metal. releases. Including, but not limited to, Detroit <laughs> Stories by Alice Cooper. Yes, that and Alice, Alice Cooper. Enfimo uh, by... There's an R-N and not an M. I was worried that that was going to happen. Inferno. Yeah. See. Yeah, and then capital N. <laughs> Inferno by Blanc Moss. The Shadow, I Remember. I no, that's a I... bracket. No, that's a pipe. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right. I totally, I am, you are correct. I stand corrected. That is a pipe. You're right. Yes, The Shadow Pipe Remember <laughs> by Cloud Nothings. <laughs> Little Oblivions by Julian Baker. I'm sorry, just the, the confidence in which you were like, no, that is a pipe. I type pipes all like, day, sir. <laughs> I know my pipes when I see them. <laughs> They're not common. You don't see pipes every day. Uh, I, I work with a lot of pipes every day <laughs> for work. Just laying them down, bracket to, after bracket, menu after menu. Yeah, for that I didn't copy and paste it, so I had to like search my keywords. Like, where is where is oh, this? Right below the backspace. Like I see Shift. it now. Yeah. But yeah, pipes, huh? Get you some pipes. Uh, but yeah, um, the Julian Baker album, I will be listening to that for sure. Uh, there's Little Oblivions by Julian Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Working With God by Melvins. I feel like I should scream that Melvins. <laughs> and we're thinking of Alvins. Yeah, that's. Uh, we also have Single Album by No FX. Yes, that No FX that no is FX. still putting out an album. Mm hmm. Uh, but just one single album. Just single one. Uh, we also have That's Life by Willie Nelson, <laughs> but it's only Frank Sinatra covers. I mean, the name implies that that's what it is. So yes, uh, <laughs> Willie Nelson, uh, an album of uh, him doing Frank Sinatra. So enjoy. All right, but isn't this Willie Nelson at an older age than Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. was singing these songs? Oh, definitely. Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Way Down in the Rust Bucket by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. The live record. Yeah, the live record. I was kind of hesitant to include those last two, but I was like, well, if I clarify what they are. It's fine. It's fine. They're, All right. They are artists that we know of. It's true. At least that you should know of. They are big name most, artists. Most people do. Yep. Safe to say. All right. Yeah. Well, you can find all those artists on your Spotify. Yeah. If you have it. If you have it, and you could listen to it 
in high clarity real real soon because that's our first story because as part of a long presentation called stream on stream on stream on <laughs> Stream until your streams come true. I mean, See, come from through. when I from when I pasted this, I was like, "This is gonna happen." Either I'm gonna do it, or he's gonna do it first. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, stream on. Yes, stream on. With Spotify announced that it will be introducing a Hi-Fi option later this year. Yeah. Among other benefits for fans and creators, CEO. And co-founder Daniel Eck also said the company paid out $5 billion in royalties in 2020. Not and enough. Chief Content Officer Don Ostroff announced that over the last four years, the number of recording artists whose catalog generated more than $1 million a year across recording and publishing is up over 82% to more than 800 artists. And the number generating more than $100,000 a year is up 79% to over 7,500 artists. The company also announced that it will be launching in 85 new markets, making itself available to 1 billion new listeners and amid much other music and podcast news that it will be launching a, as we kind of assumed <laughs> because they paid him so much uh-huh. a Barack Obama Bruce Springsteen podcast. I believe the first episode of that is already up uh, because I saw some people talking about what they talked about. Um, yeah, that's sure a, a specific audience of people. Anyway. <laughs> I expect an SNL skit this week. <laughs> oh, from oh that'd, be, that'll be great. Um, uh, speaking of, real briefly, the SNL skit from Olivia Rodrigo I did not watch it, but I heard some things. Yeah. Yeah, I skipped last week, but I might watch this week's because we want to see the bill of Nick Jonas and Nick Jonas. Pulling double duty this week. Yeah, pulling do- double duty this week. Uh, but real quick, before we change the subject. Yes. Um, so the Let's hi-fi thing, Spotify. the real story here is the hi-fi thing. So this puts them at parity with Tidal. But one interesting thing that they could do here, but it's unclear whether or not they will, is they could undercut Tidal on price. So I did not know this, but apparently the tier of title that gets you the the higher quality uh, music is $20 a month. I thought that 20. was standard for title. So no, title eventually, well, they launched on just the hi-fi model. Right. But back when they launched, it was only $15 a month. Okay. Uh, with a pretty generous uh, 30-day trial. That is still the case. Uh, but the price has changed when they introduced a lower tier that is pretty much Spotify or Apple music like quality that is 9.99 a month. So they bumped up the premium tier to 20 bucks. But the interesting thing about their what they're doing that Spotify is maybe not doing, Title doesn't only offer like 24 bit like regular like flack level hi-fi. They also have a, a level of performance that they call masters, which is basically like I don't know, just stream the, the actual like freaking completely lossless recording. I don't know, which can go up to like an obscene level of like of bits. So unclear whether Spotify is going to do that here. My guess is that they will introduce a higher tier for this. 
But if if they and if they go at the fifteen level, I think that would be really smart because that undercuts title. Um, also, this makes Apple last company standing. Amazon also has a what they call an HD service. Um, so yeah, Apple will be the last one to not pull the trigger on this. Uh, I would not be surprised if you see an Apple variant on this by the end of the year. I would have thought they would have already launched an Apple variant since they introduced the AirPods yeah. Pro. Yeah, or the Air, or the AirPods Max, the over the year ones, the Max, um, which were kind of their big play in that. It seems like they're planning on it because some scuttlebutt a few months ago saw that they were changing the branding around how they referred to their high quality iTunes purchases. Mm -hmm. And so they might use that branding for Apple Music Streaming as well down the line. I think it's called like Apple, I forget what it was, was. it was like Apple, I don't remember. Uh, But yeah, they have a branding for it that they might roll out but they have not made any announcements. I think one of the tricky things if you're Apple is that Apple has always done all their music stuff through their own licensed codex, which is not the case for everybody else. So everybody else can use FLAC. Apple typically does not. In fact, FLACs don't actually naturally exist in the Apple ecosystem. You have to uh, uh, transfer them into Apple lossless format, which is their own proprietary format. I know I'm getting into freaking audiophile speak here. I literally mm-hmm. started talking to you today before the podcast telling you I upgrade to get better headphones. Yes. Um, so maybe I'm the only one who cares about this, but some people do. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's probably why Apple's hesitant is because their format happens to be way less used and way less popular than the bigger high quality formats like FLAC. And with that being said, if you are going to upgrade to these hi-fi options, make sure you do have some headphones or speakers mm-hmm. that can actually play them. Because if you have like these yeah. crappy little $10 ones, not worth it. You need something yeah. like what you have. That is the other half of it. Yeah. It's like, if you don't already, if you're not already in this ecosystem, this won't mean anything to you. Because you're right. Not only that, though, it's not only about the headphones that you own. It's also chances are if you get a pair of nice headphones you're also going to have to get an amp and if you're listening to digital exclusively and want to do this then you're also going to make sure want to make sure that that amp is also a DAC digital to analog con- uh, converter it's a rabbit hole that i do not recommend going down because it can get expensive very quickly do you want to show yours off real quick uh no i don't think anybody cares um <laughs> yeah But anyway, uh, the long story short is that this is for a niche audience, but it is going to, I think, force Apple's hand uh, by having everybody else get into the space because it's an easy way to get your power users who are likely also the people who would be interested in a higher higher quality format to pony up more money. Yep. So we'll see. Apple, stop dragging your feet. Also, this story made me go sign up for an, a free trial for Title to see what it was, uh, to see what they've they've done recently, and so I'm enjoying that for the next thirty days. So. Hey, just remember to cancel in thirty days. Oh, uh, I, I I might. I, we'll see what see where Apple is by the end of this term, and we'll see. Okay. Anyway. Anyways, um, our second news story. Mm-hmm. The actual biggest story in music this week. Well, yes, it <laughs> dropped the base on everybody. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And shook the world to its mm-hmm. core. Just one more time. All around the world. One more time. One more time. <laughs> See what you did there. 
Yeah, you know, I try and get these to you like harder, better, faster, and stronger. Yeah, I mean, you've done your homework. <laughs> and sometimes I get lucky. All right. <laughs> I don't think we have any more, so that might be it. Um, All right. We're, um, if you didn't give any of that uh, subtext, one, shame on you. Two, yeah. Daft Punk. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the most influential and popular groups to emerge over the past 30 years have decided to announce their retirement via a video titled Epilogue, which was posted Monday morning. The duo's longtime publicist, Catherine Fraser, officially confirmed the split to Variety and declined to provide further details. The eight-minute clip begins with a scene from the duo's 2006 film, Electroma, that features the pair, Thomas Bangal- Bang- Bang- Bangalter, you got it. And five first names. Guy <laughs> Manuel de Juan Cristo. If it's Guy. Guy. Guy Manuel. Guy Manuel. For, uh, who for many years have concealed their features behind the robotic mm-hmm. concept. Walking around the desert wearing in their familiar space helmets and leather jackets. After a few moments, one of the members looks at the other, removes his jacket, and reveals an energy pack on the back. The other touches the buttons on the pack, and the first member walks away rather quickly before he explodes. <laughs> to which point the title screen comes up, Daft Punk, 1996 through 2021. So, yeah. Um, long story short here, Daft Punk is a very beloved and respected uh, institution. I mean... I think since the late 90s, like, they've been kind of, like, the thing about, like, electronic music that, like, you hear, like, as kind of, like, a gateway for a lot of people to get into that kind of, that kind of world. I think a lot of people, especially our age, probably saw, like, freaking them do, like, a music video during Toonami, you know, yep. and was like, what is this? And it blew our little minds, and we were like, oh, what, like, we just found out about around the world, and now it's, like, the coolest thing we've ever heard. And he kept going, yeah. I think, throughout their career. Like, and there's... then when it was the new, when Tron Legacy was mm-hmm. announced and that Def Punk was going to be doing the score for it, everyone freaked out, out of their minds about it. I mean, there was such a big deal that there were bands who wrote songs about Def Punk, like LCD Sound Systems, Def Punk is playing at my house. Like, it was a thing. Like, it was such a, because the thing that made them work is because they exuded a kind of level of cool that a lot of um, electronic music at the time did not. They were borrowing from other genres throughout their career. Like you could even argue that their last record, um, Random Access Memories is barely an electronic record because of how analog it feels because of how much disco and funk is involved in it. They were always kind of on edges of all sorts of genres combining things throughout their career that everybody could get into them. They were, they were a group that everybody liked. Like, if you don't like Daft Punk, you don't have a soul, I think, to a certain extent, because chances are there's a song you could put on in a, a party and everybody would be like, oh man, this is my jam. I mean, I don't think there's a wedding out there that doesn't play one more time <laughs> yeah, during yeah. Its, its list. There's so many staples. And like, obviously, Get Lucky was everywhere when that thing was a hit sing- mm-hmm. single like you could not escape it 
Yeah, um, they did uh, some songs with The Weeknd, too. They did the some songs The Weeknd, which we talked about recently, thanks to his Super Bowl uh, thing. And yeah, and it, I think it like it works on their strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, those but also note that, uh, as you mentioned, Random Access Memories was their last album, which was yeah. seven years ago. So yeah, they've been kind of dormant for a little bit. Also, but so yeah, and kind of the on the flip side of it, uh, like the sad part of it, um, there was also kind of a happy, happy part of this as well, uh, because the internet took a lot of fun uh, um, with a couple of memes that were generated from this. Uh, at least in my Twitter feed, was a lot of people making like make like showing pictures of two dudes and be like, "Turns out that was Daft Punk." <laughs> it's like, oh man, I didn't know Daft Punk was these guys. It's just it's silliness. The best yes. take I saw, though, was somebody tweeted, well, I guess there's no reason to care about a Tron 3 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that one, too. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. So, yeah, pour one out for Daft Punk, but uh, they will definitely be remembered. Yes. Um, this also could just be hype for 10 years down the line of a union tour when people can actually go to concerts again. Yeah, maybe. Or do a one-time festival for just people I- to go towards i do wonder if that this had been the plan the whole time because because oh you're you're part of the concert theory yeah because they maybe that they were going to do that they were waiting to do the big big like kind of finale like tour and now they can't because of coronavirus Mm -hmm. and so they're just like well i guess this is it okay 2027 make a comeback (laughs) yeah it's not a year that ends with a seven it can't happen yet anyway (laughs) all right uh well you want to wait till 28 when there's an olympics going around no one wants that so yeah r.i.p daft punk i hope they're doing good yeah. uh, did you listen to anything besides more daft punk not a whole lot of new music right now on my radar that's big enough to talk about so no Okay, uh, I did not listen to anything new. I don't Seems like think... everybody's on a holding period until Taylor drops Fearless. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah, even in the new releases, I don't see anything worth checking out. Not a whole lot right now, kind of the doldrums, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Speaking of getting there, oh my god, we're we're going to wrap this up so quickly. <laughs> well, it would be a short one. Uh, video games. Oh, we're an hour into this. Uh... Let's get uh, yeah. Let's get right into this uh, with video games. We start with upcoming new releases, yep. including Ghosts and Goblins <laughs> Resurrection for the Switch. Yep, that's going to come on to other platforms later. Switch first. It is a remake of Ghosts and Goblins with some quality of life improvements. We also have Bravely Default Two to Switch. Yep. Harvest Moon colon One World for the PS4 and the Switch. Monster Jam Steel Titans 2 for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And lastly, Yakuza, colon, like a dragon. Yakuza. That's what I said, Yakuza. (laughs) Like a dragon. Yeah, on PS5. On uh... PS5. Yes. It's on uh, PS4 and Xbox One already. Also, Series X. It launched with the Series X, but for whatever reason, Sony got the short shrift on that one, and the PS5 version is now finally out. Yay. Okay. Yay. Let's get into the video game news, shall we? Let's. Uh, first up, stock market. 
or game stocks, as we were calling it. Well, this is necessarily directly related to the stock market uh, interest, um, but it might be fallout from it. <laughs> yes, because hot off the heels of acting as an unwitting centerpiece to the <laughs> largest stock market upheaval in modern history, <laughs> the company GameStop has announced that its chief financial officer, Jim Bell, Ding. is taking his leave from the company in a press release in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, quote, GameStop Corp. today announced that Jim Bell, executive vice Ding. president and chief financial officer, will be resigning from his roles on March 26, 2021. The company thanks Mr. Bell for his significant contributions and leadership, including his efforts over the past year during the COVID-19 pandemic. The press release obviously does not go into reasoning for Bell's departure, though said massive transfer of wealth might be a good reason. (laughs) Maybe. The company's attempted relaunch as a physical gathering spot for gamers <laughs> shortly before COVID-19 pandemic could be another one. Uh-huh. Or the bad press they received for attempting to stay open as an essential business. Or not giving their employees proper protection for working during the pandemic. Or the closing of hundreds of stores over the just a few years. Oh, stock be taken over by Reddit. Yeah, all sorts of reasons. An IGN story published today indicated that shareholders were openly revolting <laughs> against GameStop's yeah. board, which also may have contributed. So basically, you see a sinking ship. And you might want to bail out on it. Bail out? Also, bail out. I also bail I out. want to give credit for the kind of funny run there. Not to me. I did not write this. To Imran Khan over at Fanbyte. He's the new uh, news guy over at Fanbyte. And he wrote this story. And I wanted to include because of it was a very funny way of reporting it. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the bottom line here is that that thing... GameStop as a company is just, it's a miracle that they're still alive. They're still floating because they have got the world against them. Every single business decision that they have they made has just done them in. They just don't, it doesn't make sense to run a business. And so I don't blame the CFO. about how bad they've run their yeah. business on this podcast. Right. So this was just the last nail in the coffin for this dude, I'm sure, where he was just so sick of the, the shareholders yelling at the board being like, do something about this. He was like, you know what? I will do something about this. I'll pack my bags and go. <laughs> good, good for him, right? Like, find something else to do with your life instead of stress out about these GameStop stockholders. Shareholders? Shareholders. Yes, they're technically shareholders. Just <laughs> <laughs> Shareholders. Got there. They hold the shares, and they only hold, never sell. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, other video game news, mm-hmm. or scuttlebutt, rather. Is this rumor, Bill? This is fish. This was confirmed. This is not no longer rumor. This was confirmed by Sony. Okay, because I saw this and I thought, wait, this is technically rumors, but no, this is makes this sense is as a rumor happening. This is happening. Sony said it themselves. 
All right, so Sony has announced it's working on a new virtual reality headset for the PlayStation 5, but it won't be out this year. In a post on the PlayStation blog, Tadekai Nishino, the senior vice president of PlayStation's platform planning and management division, explained the next iteration of PlayStation VR will see some technical enhancements to the resolution, field of view, as well as tracking player inputs. For those that weren't a fan of the mess of cords and adapters required to set up the original PlayStation VR, you'll be happy to know that the new headset features a single cord input that you plug directly into your PS5. While the headset itself will be a bit beefier, Sony is also working on a dedicated VR controller to go along with it. Mm -hmm. According to the announcement, it will be bringing in some features from the PlayStation 5's DualSense controller. There's no specificity here, but presumably this means things like haptic feedback and adaptive triggers, which have been used to great effect in games like Astro's Playroom. I personally... (laughs) You don't need to do the anecdote. Um, But yeah, it seems like the last little bit here is that Microsoft has been apparently polling its Xbox users about how interested they would be in the kind of capacitive triggers that are on the DualSense as well. So a new trend is coming soon. Um, so yeah, the, the real story here is one, Sony's not giving up on VR, like kind of we su- assumed they would from some rumors that had been, well, some statements that had been previously made by other Sony people. And also it means, hey, we can finally say goodbye to this, the PlayStation Move controller. Yeah. <laughs> After a decade of PlayStation Move uh, being used. That was the PS2 era. It was the PS3 uh, thing. It launched with the 3. No, no, no. So, okay. There was was the iToy, which was a camera for PS2. Yes. But the PS3 version of the camera was more advanced and did interacted with the Move controller for the motion control stuff. Mm -hmm. So the Move controllers are from 2011, I want to say. Uh, when that was the big PS3 push uh, for motion control. Um, so yeah, and people have been having to use those old ass things for VR on PlayStation 4. Uh, so yeah, this means that they won't have to when this new controller solution is released. Yeah, um, maybe this might be the VR headset that I actually invest in. Also, <laughs> single cord. Very yes. excited for that. There, though there will be a cord, though, that is important to note. In the world yes. of, you know, Oculus Quest, we're getting used to wireless VR performance. They still can't do that because they need the PlayStation 5 itself to be the core of the operation. Right, the whole engine for it. If they want to do a separate wireless headset, they would then have to put the guts in the headset like the Quest, and that's a whole nother can of worms for Sony. That would be basically having R&D make a new console, more or less, uh, which this is not. Right, I don't think you could just do Bluetooth to it either. No, that's not fast enough of a connection for that yeah. kind of heavy lifting. You have to have a cord. Yep. So. Well, I mean, maybe I'll have a room to actually do VR. Maybe. Who could say? Who could say? <laughs> uh, oh, what's One the next? last news bit that happened Breaking today. news? 
It was breaking when I wrote this, so about like this afternoon. Oh no, yeah, I saw this today too. And I was like, ooh, yeah. better make sure we include this. And then I saw that you had already written all your stuff. I was like, ah. Yeah. But yes, uh, breaking news today in a blog post, EA official, well, technically Bioware blog post, <laughs> um, officially cancels the planned relaunch of Anthem titled Anthem Next. Yeah. So last we heard about Anthem, there was some uh, basic statement that came out of EA that they were going to consider whether or not they would have teams continue working on a relaunch of Anthem or just abandon the project completely. And apparently they chose, hey, what do you know, to abandon the project completely. So those who have Anthem, uh, hold on to it because it might be worth something someday. Because <laughs> yeah, it's worthless at this point. Uh, that game is dead. Hold on to it like a holographic Charizard. <laughs> yeah, Anthem is going to be every Zoomer's like ticket to thousands of dollars in 2045. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, not super surprised. It seemed like EA probably did ran the numbers and it was like the return on this investment would not be worth it because those few people who have stood around waiting for Anthem to come back are probably not in the numbers high enough for EA to make this makes sense. I mean, when Anthem came out, we saw the numbers drop dramatically of player mm -hmm. interest. Yeah. Um, and they said that they knew they were putting out an incomplete game and that it would be fixed in the coming months. Nope. Turns out that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, they no. said they would have seven-year uh, support for the game. Nope. Turns out that was also a lie. I think this is the, yeah, this is the time for that hard reminder. Your favorite sentence to say on the Media Bow podcast, which is, it's, it's a, a business. business. They had to, at some point, realize that just they weren't going to make any of their money back on Anthem. It was just a wasted proposition at this point. Also note that Bioware is also working on Mass Effect and Dragon Age 4, so they yeah. probably pulled resources for those as well. Right. So, or just, not pulled from there, but pulled off of yeah. Anthem to those projects, which are coming out and will make them money because there's established mm -hmm. franchises. And if rumors are to believe, those will be, I think both of them, at least Dragon Age for sure, games as a service. Yeah. So more or less confirmed at this point. So yeah, right. it's like, it's going to happen. Also real, real, real quick, even smaller than that one, uh, for those of people who care about um, Diablo, Blizzard did announce that remake of Diablo 2 that we had rumored, that was rumored that we had mentioned after the Vicarious Visions stuff happened. Mm -hmm. Vicarious Visions is indeed the developer on that project, <laughs> and it is coming out later this year. So, oh, man. Where's our, where's our, like, called it chalkboard that we can just, like... <laughs> we really need up. that, don't we? We need, like, <laughs> I need, like, a sign that says things be called. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Diablo 2 fans, you'll get your nostalgic kick in the butt later this year. Yep. Uh, yes, that does bring up that BlizzCon was this past week, but that was pretty much the big news that came out. That's pretty much it, yeah. And lastly, in video games, as we wrap things up here, mm -hmm. starting March 1st through March 31st, if you own a PS4 or a PS5, <laughs> um, Ratchet and Clank will yes. be free. on The 2016 PC. Ratchet and Clank, specifically, the one that was remake eight. the remake of the first one that came out in tandem with the film yes yeah 
Uh, this is in preparedness for ration and clink a drift or a river uh, drift apart. Yeah, a rift apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, in anticipation for that game launching in the summer, they're putting this one out free for everybody. Yeah. Which, yay! It's a good I game. That game right except, over there on disc form. Except you already probably 100%ed it. So. So you're saying I should do it again? No, no, no. I'm not saying that in any capacity. Real quick, hey, free last game thing. Is free game. Yeah, that's true. Last thing, uh, as a kind of a heads hey, up. You can't more say than last thing after I said last thing. I'm sorry. There's always a last thing. Um, okay, a quick, since we're doing reminders now, at least we did in the TV section, here's a reminder for the video game section, which is pay attention to Pokemon this week as Saturday is not only the Post Malone concert, but is Pokemon Day. All signs seem to be pointing that they will be making some sort of game announcement this week. Whether or not they'll wait till Saturday or will come early, all that is possible. But it seems like if they were going to announce remakes of Diamond and Pearl for Switch, this would be when that happens. So keep your eyes peeled on Pokemon socials, on video game news sites. Because, right, so I'm going to put that you know, on our big chalkboard yes. as called it stuff for next yeah. week. By ne- this time next week, we will likely know what the next Pokemon game is. And it seems like it will most likely be Diamond and Pearl remakes. All right. And so we'll see. All right. Uh, did you play anything then? No, I, I've i been I'm having a, a video game lull after kind of my video game fall that I had, like the season fall, mm-hmm. where I was playing non stuff nonstop. I think I've slowed down lately. I've pretty much been only been doing the New York Times crossword. Okay. <laughs> um, I've I did end up getting to play Control this past weekend. Okay. I got about uh, at least the first act done. I think I'm somewhere about a third way through. Cool. I see why people like that game. Yeah. It's a pretty good game. Uh, Free for PlayStation Plus subscribers. Yeah. Which, if you're not, why aren't you? It's on Uh, Game Pass as well. Every week, every month. The non-ultimate version is on Game Pass, both console and PC. No, no, this is the ultimate version. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that that's PlayStation, but on... If you're an Xbox person, the non-ultimate version is the only one you get on oh, Game okay, Pass. Yeah, the base game. Um, but you get ultimate on PlayStation. Yeah, uh, that comes with uh, both DLCs post-content. Right. Uh, but I'm having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, I can see why people like it. The lot of different um, mechanics going through it with dents and powers and it yeah. seems right up my alley. It's neat stuff. Yeah, it's neat stuff. Good gameplay. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm not streaming it though, because I kind of want that experience to myself. Yeah, and I'm sure also I'll a, something soon. Also, it's a narrative game, yeah. so like I get why people would be less likely to be like, want to watch that kind of stream. But I love ones. narrative games. I know you do, yeah. but it's harder to stream those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Good. To, good to know. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe in a few weeks here, maybe I'll have some games to play. Um, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, and with that, that wraps us up. Oh, look at that. 90 minutes. Hurry. Look at that. Look at that. Do it before the 100 minute mark. <laughs> We're back to our, our normal ass time. Yeah. So thank you time. for listening and watching the Media Boat podcast, however you enjoy it. We'll be back next week for another episode. We'll talk about Pokemon games, I'm sure. We'll talk about all sorts of other things. We'll talk about whatever maybe surprise drops on us within the next seven days. Who can say? We'll have our thoughts on Tom and Jerry next week. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Um, 
I'm talking about that thing. Um, so yeah, um, tune in next week. If you want to tune in via video form, you can do so on youtube.com. Search Media Boat Podcast. You can find our page, like, subscribe, the whole, whole shebang. If you want to listen to us in audio form, that's also available to you. Go to Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify even, however you enjoy your pod- podcasts, you can find us on there by searching Media Boat Podcast. Social media, we're on all sorts of social media. Twitter, where our handle is at Media Boatcast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast and find our page. Like, comment on there as well. Email us if you have questions or comments about the show at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. I think that will do it. So thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week for another episode of Media Boat Podcast. See you guys. Bye. Yep. More stuff, more content, more thoughts, more of us. Yes. More. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.